Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. We're inspiring conversations for the unafraid. I'm Janice McDonald, founder of The Beacon Agency, author, and global champion for women. Why am I making this show? Because I want to share the inspiring stories of women leaders in business, arts and culture, politics, and more with all of you. Hear how they've chosen to go forward and be bold and make the world a better place, even when it wasn't easy to do. Subscribe now wherever you find podcasts. Hey, everybody, I'm Janice McDonald. Welcome to the Fearless Women Podcast. I'm so excited to tell you all about my guest on today's show. She's a very impressive woman, and I know you're going to love hearing her story. I will give you a hint. Trailblazer, who's the first in many different areas, including in the construction industry. She has received the Order of Canada in 2009, and there's so much more to tell you about her. She has tons of wisdom, practical advice from lived experiences, and great insights from her impressive career. I'll tell you all about her, but first, thank you for tuning in from across Canada and so many other countries like USA, UK, Austria, Ireland, and Australia, to name a few. It's great to have all of you joining us. I'm so glad you love to listen every single week to the inspiring guests we feature. These are important conversations with the unafraid, and they keep our fearless community growing. So tell your friends to listen and follow us on Instagram. And if you don't already have one, pick up a copy of my beautiful best-selling book, Fearless Girls with Dreams, Women with Vision. You can find it at your favorite local bookstore or online at Amazon, at Chapters in Canada, Barnes and Noble, Target, and others. And you can always email us at fearlesswomenpodcast at gmail.com. And yes, yes, yes. If you love this show, and I know you do, so show the love with a five-star rating. It's welcome and appreciated. All right. So Shirley Westinda is the president of Westinda Properties Limited. She's an active volunteer, an honorary colonel of the 33rd Services Battalion in Ottawa. Her bio is long and impressive and consistent in her role as a trailblazer. Welcome to the show, Shirley. Thank you, Janice. Thank you for the kind introduction. So first off, how are you managing in these uh, interesting times? Well, I think I'm obviously in a much more fortunate situation than many others out there since I'm now retired from a full-time job. I'm I'm living downtown. I still have good health. I can walk and um, and I love Zoom, so I'm staying in contact with boards and and personal Zooms, etc. So I I feel like I'm I'm in a very fortunate situation, and I'm feeling overwhelmed for those out there that are not in the same situation as I am. Yeah, the the connections are so important. Being able to have the chance to connect with people, very much so. Yeah. So take us back in your career. It's such a fascinating one. Let's let's go back to the start. <laughs> so you're a nurse and you, you know, trained as a nurse and you then begin on a journey with a company in the construction industry with your husband. Tell us all about this unique and exciting 
business that had just grew so fast and so big. Uh, <laughs> there must have been lots of highs and lows. Yeah, no, no question. We started out of our house in 1978. I had three children under nine at the time. And although I was knowledgeable about the construction industry because my husband had been in it with different companies, I was totally unfamiliar with all the other aspects of running a business. So, and that became my role to play, to go to Algonquin College and Carleton University and learn everything about uh, the accounting and the, the setting up an office. And we didn't have a fax machine back then. So it was, uh, it was pretty primitive from, from when I look at all the technology we have now to close tenders, et cetera. So, so uh, interesting days. Those were the late 70s. And as you said, you're familiar with the industry, but nevertheless, <laughs> you know, technology certainly has changed how we do things. At the same time that you began this company, you were also, as a working mother, managing so many different things, children and a fast-growing company. What's your advice to, or what did you learn, you know, first of all, from that demanding time, but also what's your advice for other working mothers on um, how to do the best you can? Yeah, I must admit it was very challenging at the time because our subcontractors were coming to the house to look at our our drawings and specifications and the children and I were delivering in some cases to the different subcontractors to get their uh, their prices on various projects. So it was a rather disruptive time for our for our children and they all vowed they would never go into the construction industry because of all the conversation that went on around the table. But in the end, the majority of them have. I, I guess from my point of view, I think it was very beneficial as far as them becoming independent and looking after a n- number of aspects that probably if I hadn't have been tied up with the business that they would have, I would have looked after on their behalf. And, um, and they certainly learned um, how to be creative and innovative and many of the things that have come in handy for them later in life. So it was difficult. There's no, no question. And, um, and I always felt some guilt about where I should project most of my time. There was never any question in my mind that the children came first. That was never, ever any question about that. And if there was ever an issue that I had to choose between, it was always the children over the whatever was going on in the business in that particular occasion. I read somewhere as well that even amongst all of that, you were also taking courses to continue to upgrade your skills, you know, as the company was growing fast, this commitment to lifelong learning. I I pretty well did education all along. So I was going to night school at Algonquin when when uh, when we started the business learning the financial aspects of uh, any business it wasn't particular to the construction but then we got into building as we grew uh, we uh, hired accounts payable clerk and then we eventually got a an accountant in to do a lot of the work that I was doing but we also started our own um, development company, which required leases and insurance and legal aspects of having tenants, etc. So I went to uh, BOMA and eventually got my RPA designation. So I took all the courses in order to uh, to have my designation for property management and development, etc. So 
And that in turn led to my becoming the first female president of BOMA. So it was a case of... Tell us exactly what BOMA is. Yeah, uh, Building Owner Management Association. So it's basically um, a commercial owners and developers with office space. And they have an association that is, is meant for networking, et cetera, and learning of, of what's going on in the industry, lobbying, government for assistance, and particularly would be going on right now with the subsidization and whatnot for landlords and tenants. And it would be a huge factor right now that's, that's happening because of the virus. And so if we look at your career, it's a long list of firsts. You've just been trailblazing all the way through. How do you tend to think of that? To be honest, when I look back, I, I wasn't doing anything to become the first. It was mm-hmm. a case of I, I happened to get involved with the Ottawa Economic Development Corporation and uh, BOMA at, in about the same years. That was back in the 90s. And I loved economic development and what was going on and what could be done to help. And of course, there was a spinoff because of the high tech. There were potential clients so, um, from, for, from a construction aspect, but I really, really loved what was going on with that. I think there were maybe three other women on a board of 20. And some with BOMA, there were, it was only a board of 12 and there were two other women on the board. But anyway, I became the president of BOMA in 1994. And unfortunately, the first female president, and it was only this year, they finally had a second female president 25 years later. Jeez. Um, and then the year later, I became the first female president of the Ottawa Economic Development Corporation. And they never continued on. They were amalgamated with Oakry and, um, and the tourism so that there was never another opportunity for for a female to become the, the involved with the economic development back then. And now, of course, it's Invest Ottawa that's kind of replaced that. So you didn't really think about it. You just went about doing the things that were interesting and exciting to you. And, and that I felt I could make a difference. And, and I have to share one of the, the, for me, the biggest compliment was when I became the president of BOMA, it was, in, it was a press issue and first female, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the gentlemen on my board, they said to him, so what's it like having a female as your boss? And he said, no, having a woman as your boss. And Mm -hmm. Phil said, well, we don't really think of Shirley as a woman. And then he got feet red. He was so embarrassed. And I said, Phil, that's the biggest compliment I could ever receive that none of you guys sat around here and said, well, we should make sure she becomes because she's a woman or we should because she's a woman. I was just one of the guys. And, and to me, that was a big compliment. Because so. it's really a recognition of the contribution you're about to make. Yeah, they felt that I was knowledgeable and knew what I was doing and were willing to to uh, follow what, what I was recommending at the time. And I've, I've found that all along, the same with the construction industry. There were some men who said, no goddamn way is any woman going to run this organization. But of course, that just made me work a little harder. And um, so, yes, it, 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 I didn't go and decide I'm going to show you because I'm a woman. I wanted to make sure whatever I did, whether it was in a women's organization or a charitable organization, that I give my best. 
and utilize whatever knowledge I might have, then I would do it for, for whatever I was involved in. And there's been so many, many things out there, colleges, hospitals uh, that I've been on boards that, um, that I felt the same way about. So, Yeah. So when you think about those competing demands in terms of your time, how have you made those decisions around who gets your time and attention in that volunteer capacity in particular? Yeah, that's a very good question. I think a lot of it was around the causes, affordable housing. I sp- have spent a lot of time on, on that. I was the chair of the uh, task force of the mayor's task force in, uh, I guess, to about 2002 um, and spent a lot of time on affordable housing and still continue to participate to some degree in that area. Mental health this was another um, issue that I, I'm quite passionate about. One of our employees um, committed suicide. And at the time he attempted suicide and then talked to us about it after the fact and how we in the construction industry are not really paying attention to what's going on as far as depression, et cetera, with our employees. And, and then he did in the end commit suicide. And I picked that up as a passion and I've spent a lot of years in that area as well. Mm-hmm. So important, especially when we think about the stress and challenges that so many yeah. are facing right now as a result of the pandemic. Yeah, and the construction industry was one that didn't, they've come a long ways now. They've in fact donated millions of dollars to the Royal Ottawa, the Ottawa Construction Association. But back then, if anybody was showing signs of depression or whatever, they were kind of a wimp and um, it was not recognized back then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've come a long way, thankfully. We really have, thank heavens, yeah. Yeah. So what's something, Shirley, that you wish you knew earlier? One of my challenges as the chair of the Canadian Construction Association was the fact that I traveled across Canada and uh, it included the province of Quebec. And I did some speaking in Quebec City and, and to students, etc. And I think if I'd known where I was going to end up, I would have spent more time on my French. But mm-hmm. I, And I'm actually studying it again now. I enjoyed it, and I've decided that's uh, one of my COVID uh, projects is to get my French back up. So I love that. So this quote from Coco Chanel makes me think of you. The most courageous act is still to think for yourself aloud. Does this resonate with you? Yes, for sure. I, I have conversations with myself pretty well every day, whether it be, um, so <laughs> where are you focusing your time today? And what is absolutely essential to get done? And what are you doing for pleasure? And what are you doing to stay fit? But um, each, each um, aspect of the volunteer world that I got involved in, it was always a case of, am I doing the right thing for them? Or am I doing it um, because I want my name on the on the board, or I, I would always go through that conversation. And if I didn't come out with the fact I'm doing it, because I'll either make a difference to them, or they'll make a difference to me and help me grow. Um, and so I would have those conversations with each thing I and still do. I love that. What about the 10 year old Shirley? Where were you living? What were you into? How'd you spend your time, your passions at that age? Yeah, a 10 year old, I don't, I, I, I was, my dad was uh, a projectionist in the theater and a movie theaters. Uh, we were not well to do in any way. There were four children in a small little war veterans house. My dad had 
had um, he had been actually been active in the Air Force. He was about to go overseas when the war ended, but we were given one of the the VLA lots. Um, I went to a rural school, walked to to school uh, about I guess about a mile. I was a, a little bit in a an era where I was one of the first. Um, war boom babies I guess so there weren't that many children my age in the subdivision we lived in so it was a few years later that the the baby boom started but yeah I I don't recall thinking to myself where will I be uh, 20 years from now I knew I liked school I knew I would would carry on with school but um, I didn't have a particular goal when I was a 10 year old I I I liked people <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I was pr- pretty well into sports as well. So yeah, the things that shape us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, tell us about a time when you, and I know there's lots, but just pick one <laughs> when you were fearless. When you say fearless, like I, I would you mean to go in and not have any fear about doing anything <laughs> or <laughs> I mean, I think I feel the fear and do it anyways, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's ironic. I was thinking to myself that probably one of my biggest fears that I had to overcome when I got so involved in these organizations, it involved a lot of public speaking in front of hundreds of people. And I took a crash course at Toastmasters because Mm -hmm. I was so nervous about public speaking. And if that would be advice to any woman who wants to at some point uh, get involved where it requires public speaking. It's a very major asset that I think every, well, I think everybody should be comfortable on their feet and being, be able to say what they want to say without the nervousness of the fear of public speaking. But um, yeah, that, that was certainly something that uh, once I was able to overcome that, I was so much more fearless (laughs) speaking at OCADCO meetings with the the heads of companies in Canada and and being comfortable. So, yeah, that's so powerful. What's some other advice you might have for ambitious women on how to, you know, go for it because you've been unstoppable in your career. Yeah. As I say, it's, it's different now because the children are into so many more distant activities, although the virus is certainly making a difference in that. Our kids were in hockey and girl guides and scouts, but they could walk. Everything was walkable. And um, so now the division of, of duties as such is more difficult for, for women, I think, because there are, there's, there's more activities for children. They seem to be more involved in something every day, whereas ours were, were more right around the house kind of activities or very close by. But um, yeah, I think as far as the networking, I would encourage women to make sure they mix in the organizations that I've got both sexes, not to stick with a women's organization, because it's really, if you want to be on boards and whatnot, it's important to network with both the male and female um, side of the community and the business world and whatever world you're involved in in order to be participants on. And that was, I I really was involved in more all male organizations. And I think that was contributed to my becoming uh, more um, prevalent on some of these boards that had minority, um, minority women on them. So. Mm -hmm. 
Well, what would be your advice, Shirley, to your younger self? How did you ever do it? (laughs) (laughs) My daughter, my daughter was saying that last, she's got, um, well, her children are a little older now, but she said, mom, I look back and I don't know how you did that to have us and and go out and do what you did. But um, yeah, to my younger self, I, I would still um, follow the, the, the road that I took. It was bumpy, there was curvy, there were all kinds of unexpected, uh, sometimes pleasant, sometimes unpleasant um, surprises. And, and even though I'm not sure I would have on my own picked the construction industry too, it's because of my husband's um, desire to be involved in that industry. But I decided to grow where I was planted and um, and flowered really in retrospect. So I was happy that I I took that journey at, in the end. But it wasn't as if it was a, a choice up front. It was uh, it was a, a little bump. <laughs> I love that idea, though, of growing where you're planted and, yes. and flowering. That's yeah. beautiful because the opportunities are there, but you have to go for it and and grab it and. It sounds like, you know, so many entrepreneurs, we know you have to buckle in and get ready for a wild ride. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the companies, the group of companies that you had and have since uh, sold and, you know, I mean, so many diverse business lines, development, mm-hmm. best removal. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's so impressive. And it's such a great reminder to really feel the fear and do it anyways. Mm-hmm just go for it. What's something that you've done once that you don't ever want to do again? Well, over the years, we had, I would say, 100 and some odd construction projects, hospitals, schools, office buildings. Um, But one project that caused a lot of pain for us was the Saudi Arabian embassy. And there was a huge learning curve for us because it was an embassy and the unique handling of projects that are under the arms of a, of a different country. So that was, would certainly be one of the projects that I wouldn't do again, but otherwise we've had some very, um, I look around Ottawa and I see so many buildings that we and our marvelous employees built. And I'm just so proud of the permanent legacy that's been left behind by, by the West Ainda construction and West Ainda properties. That's what made the construction industry so thrilling for me to be involved in because it was something that, continue to stand and will continue to stand for years to come. And as you've uh, mentioned, you have uh, the next generation, uh, you know, taking that vision and doing their own things, but still under the umbrella of the construction industry. Exactly. Yes. And it's marvelous to see the creativity and that particularly they're so tuned in to the environment. They're specifically building buildings that are LEED certified and that are encompassing all of the latest techniques. Let's talk about, you are an honorary colonel and it's such a prestigious appointment from the government of Canada. Can you share why you're doing it and your role there and how important it is to you? Well, actually what happened is I wasn't even aware that we had army units in Ottawa. I joined the Navy when I was in nurses training um, I joined the Navy and I quite enjoyed it. I was an ordinary Wren and took Morse code back then and then 
when I graduated from nursing, I automatically became a sub-lieutenant in the Navy. And I would have stayed in the Navy, except for the fact that was when they amalgamated the forces and they closed down HMCS Prevo in London, Ontario at the time. But I really felt that I, I enjoyed the military and, and how they operated. And then it was back in about 2005, 2006, Jean Pickett called me. Jean Pickett. So she was, if my memory serves me correctly, one of only three women CEOs in Canada in the early 1970s, and then went on to become a member of parliament as well. Okay, tell me more. Um, She was not that healthy at the time, and she mentioned that... um, she was an honorary lieutenant colonel in the battalion at the time and wondered if I would consider putting my name forward and went over and had tea with she and <laughs> greet and gay. And um, and I've actually ended up where she sent me all her uniforms. It, it was a long drawn out two year process before I actually got a letter from Peter McKay back then. Um, any rate, she sent over all her uniforms and, and I still wear her mess kit, which is the red jacket and the the navy blue skirt with the red, it's, it's beautiful. And I'm very proud that it's Jean's uniform and um, and I've continued to wear it very proudly. So, but oh, um, yes, the battalion is the services battalion and it's more the mechanics for the trucks, the cooks, sort of from my point of view, the thing that keeps the army going because without them um, couldn't continue to operate. And they have engineers, they have have all kinds of different divisions. And my son, Jeff, is actually an honorary lieutenant colonel um, of the engineering uh, sector of the army. But uh, my my role is to try to do a better job of letting the community know they exist and what they do. And, uh, and to make sure when you see somebody wearing a soldier's uniform that you, or any of the military, to be fair, to thank them. I did travel to the States a few times with my uniform, and it was amazing that no matter where you went, people would thank you much more so than in Canada. And it made me very aware of how appreciative they are in the States and, and to some degree here, but not to the same degree. But I'm very proud of the young people. And we made a point of, as I became knowledgeable about uh, what was happening with the young people in the army, I learned that if they've made it through that that initial training, then they're good employees and they're disciplined and they know they have to finish things correctly. And uh, my son, Jeff, has made a point particularly of hiring young people from the, from the military on that basis, that they make very good employees. Because they're trained so well. Mm-hmm. So what an honor. Well, that's so uh, impressive. And did not know that you had your own background. Yeah. Yes. As a matter of fact, I just got what is called a CD, which means that I've spent 12 years in the military. It's a medal. And it was a combination of my years in the Navy and my years as um, as an honorary colonel. Well, I started out as a lieutenant colonel and then I was promoted to colonel. So <laughs> that's so impressive. Surely you've had such a remarkable life. Uh-huh. All right. So final question. What, surely, is your dream for Canada? Well, I have to admit that in these days, I'm feeling like we're living a dream in Canada compared to some other countries and one in particular. But there's certainly a long ways to go. And and I'm a, I guess I'm a bit of a combination of a liberal and a conservative, I guess you call it a red 
conservative, but I'm I'm a full believer in it's very important that our businesses thrive, number one, and that in turn they pay fair taxes. But I would like to see more of, of the there's a, a program called Imagine where companies volunteer to give at least three percent of their profit to charity, but they can make the decision where it goes. And I'm finding I because of my involvement in the volunteer world that the bureaucracy gets too involved for these associations. And if the businesses were all agreed that they would give a percentage of their profits to an organization that they felt was operating properly, that wasn't in a silo situation, that wasn't duplicating, there's so many things that go on that could be changed with with the bureaucracy not so involved. Um, similarly, with affordable housing, it's a struggle between the federal government, the provincial government, and municipal government with more streamlined um, and that, that looked at it from a business point of view rather than a bureaucracy, bureaucratic point of view. Um, so, yeah, affordable housing would be everybody would have a place to live in. There would be good treatment for, um, for mental illness um, and, and, as I say, a, a more... Uh, good health care. I think we've got a fractured health care across Canada and it's got to be uh, redone. I don't think it can be constantly band-aided um, so that that would be part of my dream. And, uh, and I guess overall One Planet Living, which is a what the CB project is, which is a project my sons have developed, where basically you don't use up any more of the environment than what you give. So it's called One Planet Living. And so I, I think my concerns are the same as everybody else out there. It's a matter of how they're accomplished. So, but overall, I'm just, I travel, have traveled a lot. That's one of the things I miss, but I always come back and think how fortunate we are that we live in Canada. It's a, it's really a wonderful country. Well, and you, thank you for sharing your dream for Canada. You surely have been very intentional in making Canada a better place for all of us as you trailblaze uh, the success of your businesses and certainly your contributions as an active uh, volunteer and honorary colonel. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the Fearless Women podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Shirley Westinda, president of Westinda Properties Limited. Thank you, Janice. It's been lovely talking with you. Thanks for listening. We want our community to grow. Tell your friends, follow us on Instagram, and sign up for our newsletter at fearlesswomenpodcast.com to get the early scoop. Thanks again to our amazing sponsors, BDC, Lockheed Martin, and Export Development Canada. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts or in your favorite app. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating. I'm Janice McDonald. Stay fearless. Thank you to Export Development Canada, the international risk experts, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. Supporting Canadian companies of all sizes succeed on the world stage. EDC takes your worries away and helps you grow your business with confidence. When your business has no borders, neither does your potential. Find out more at edc.ca slash women in trade. Thank you to BDC, the bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, for your support of the Fearless Women podcast. We love smart companies that want to amplify women's voices. For more information, 
go to bdc.ca women.